0: got my chocolate milk we've got our virtual backgrounds going you know it's an exciting wednesday night i'm john shidley hill and i
1: am sheldon alexander
0: and this is you killed it the podcast that V challenge this is a big second episode for spies lies and allies
1: episode two and i'm, I'm still in i'm still in and it's good. I, I'm enjoying wait, it. I
0: didn't I didn't realize that you might be out on the season after No.
1: Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? It's because the more and more I watch these new episodes of the challenge, I'm realizing how much they're switching kind of what the show was that we were used to. Yeah. That's we'll fair. get there. We'll get there. But you know, it's becoming a lot more as we always talk about survivor, right? More so than like the challenge stuff. And we'll get there. But I'll say off the front end, I bet the Ashley thing was way worse than what they showed. The party scene that they had at the beginning. where they are showing everyone like dancing, getting down, having fun. I bet there was a lot more there going on. But you know what I mean? I still like it, obviously. I'm here. I love it. But I'm just acknowledging the difference. Like they're keeping me in still. They're keeping me in
0: someone pointed this out and I'm sorry I can't remember who and I have lost it in the mentions. My apologies to whoever it was. But they pointed out that part of the season it's more than 50% Europeans or Africans. It's probably because it was easier with COVID-19 protocols to get people to Croatia if they We're already in the European Union. I guess there's some Brits, which is complicated because of Brexit, but it's a good point. I also have to say, there's too many people on this season. There's people that they'll mention, and I'll be like, who? Who are you?
1: Where'd you, what? Who? There's got to be a purge at some point, right? Or this is just going to be a super long season. With uh, both of possible, to <laughs> trying, to, trying to recoup the money, right? As all businesses are right now, figuring out a way to recoup the money. So maybe we're in for a super long season of the challenge. But what I will say is uh, we got a bunch of messages because the challenge after show, this one was from, and first off, we never say this off the front end and we probably should, but wherever you're listening to this pod, remember to, it's not called subscribe anymore, but follow on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're getting this pod, you know, uh, same thing goes for SoundCloud and on YouTube. You definitely can still like and subscribe there if you're ever listening to the pod. And I wanted to read this comment because when people write into us and, you know, they write something that's well thought out, I like to give them a bit of credit for that, right? Because you took the time to do that. The least we can do is take in and we read them all, but We can add a little more to it and read it on the show. So this was from Sonia. Sonia wrote this, and this was off of a conversation we had last episode. And for the record, this is a great example of, doesn't always have to be glowing of something that we do. So Sonia says, y'all have to watch the challenge after show. You You miss so much gameplay, discussion, understanding, and the twists wrongly. And it twists wrongly your perceptions of the players. Case in point, the whole list of Baco was started by Amanda. Emmy and Corey were the original ones that were slated for the house vote. Amanda went to Emmy looking for dirt on the rookies. Amanda told her she needs to spill to save herself. So Emmy told her about the list. Amanda rehearsed with Emmy about how to message the list into a big scandal and approach Tori and Anissa with it. Not to uh, ingratiate herself with them, but to have them spread the info and the vets would believe them because Anissa and Tori were well-liked. The vets wanted to get out the rookies that were the biggest threats. They're not necessarily going after the survivor us players. They viewed Emmy and Corey as the biggest threats. Corey proved himself the elimination. Emmy will prove herself throughout the season. Uh, so, Your thought that Renan and Michaela putting a target on their backs by coming in second during the daily challenge was wrong. Michaela's writing the list uh, was to rally the rookies and unite the target to the vets. She did the same thing in Survivor writing the hit list in the sand. Jay, who was in an alliance with her, got rid of her before she could notice he's not really in her alliance. Michaela talks too freely with people. She doesn't know too well. She's smart and strategic and has leadership abilities. The vets didn't want her skills to be used against them in their plans. I really like your podcast. We don't have the full view of the game as discussed by the players. They don't hide anything except for spoilers, and sometimes they slip. Watching the after the challenge would immensely improve your podcast. P.S. Nam got covid. Josh's partner Lauren is getting the D edit. Supposedly she said something racist. Sonia, there's a lot there.
0: I mean first thing Sonia, I'm gonna
1: say. Go ahead, Shelly. Well, first thing I was gonna say is I purposely if you listen to this pod a lot, we talk about spoilers and all that a lot, right? And I always say, I never want to listen to spoilers. I never really want to like, so I understand the point of, hey, watch the after show because there's a bunch of other things that go on, but that's not really what I want to do with the pod. I enjoyed the pod as us giving what our thoughts are with the information that we have all the time at the time in real time. Do you know what I mean? So tonight, for example, I watched the show live and then there was a bit of time before we were about to record and I saw the after show pop up on my timeline. I clicked it on and it was okay. There's nothing much. There's nothing crazy that happened in it. So it's going to be hit or miss, but in no way, and I know what you're going to say as well, would we be making a commitment to be like, oh, we're going to watch the after show not a chance. And I don't want to, like, I want to come on here and this might sound weird, be wrong about stuff. That's the fun of us doing this pod. It's not about us trying to be right or trying to be like, Hey, we're the smartest guys in the room. We know what they should or shouldn't have done. So I'm fine with you telling us that we were wrong. I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that. I mean, we
0: are the smartest guys in the room. But
1: (laughs) we're the only guys in the room, right? We are the only guys in this room right now. That's true. (laughs) As we record this,
0: right? I'm just kidding, Sonia. I appreciate all the feedback, but I agree with Sheldon. Part of the premise of our podcast is that we focus on how the show is presented within the confines of the show proper. Right? Like we are operating under... How the editors uh, show us, like, choose to show us the narrative. How the producers choose to show us the narrative. Sheldon works harder at avoiding spoilers than I do. Like, I follow a lot of people on Instagram. And, like, I'm a little more into the gossip than Sheldon is, I think. But, yeah, I don't like it. That's interesting. And I think our listeners, if they need more, should be watching the after show but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want all that behind the scenes detail. I sort of like part of the fun for me is you and I, Sheldon guessing and then finding out later if we were right. Yes. And it's, I don't mind uh, being wrong. Right. Totally. And like, obviously I appreciate all the listener feedback and by all means, you guys can tell us that we're wrong. It happens. We're not totally fine with it. <laughs> um, We also, listener and and real-life friend, Nick Ashburn, did a little scouting report for us. If you do not know Nick, he is a fellow sports reporter who reports on the Toronto Blue Jays and basically did a scouting report of some of the new competitors. So I thought Uh I'd read out what Nick has for us. And uh, yeah. And we'll just keep things moving. He says, Kels from Too Hot to Handle. This is Nick's opinion. I think he came off as just another meathead in episode one. But I suspect he wins over the audience by the end. On Too Hot to Handle, which the premise is, it's a bunch of hot people who come together and can't do anything sexual at this retreat or they lose money from a prize pool. He basically didn't link up with anyone and dubbed himself The Accountant trying to protect the money. He really leaned into that persona, and it was quite funny at times. He has a dry sense of humor that can come through. And he says of Michelle, she's one of the most masterful social players in Survivor history. That might not come through in this game, where pre-existing relationships dictate alliances so much, but she's unbelievable at just staying alive for another week, then another, then another, even when it looks like she's under the gun super resourceful, and surprisingly throws in the occasional physical win. Don't know if she has raw endurance to excel in a final, but if so, I could see her as a winner or big-time player if given more uh, more of an opportunity. Tommy, also from Survivor, won one of the worst seasons of Survivor in recent history with a highly social game. I have to say, I appreciate that insight. I can't <laughs> get into Survivor. Like, I'll watch Big Brother, but so thank you, Nick. (laughs) Thanks for doing that pretty work for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, greatly appreciated.
0: He says that Tommy was very good at persuading others and keeping the target off of himself, but Nick's not sure if you'll have the same success with smarter people. Didn't really impress in challenges, but later claimed he threw some to avoid being seen as a threat. It's unclear if that's true. That's usually not a great strategy in Survivor. Anyway, I don't expect him to do much. And then Michaela actually really liked her on Survivor. But how things played out makes a lot of sense. She always has tons of potential with her combination of brains and athletic ability, but would do too much or say too much and get the target on her. I was hoping she, uh, she'd learn her lesson, but nope. So nope. thank you, Nick. I appreciate the, the background.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And especially in an episode or in a season where there's so many people getting those little background notes help and give you sort of context in terms of who you should be rooting for. And someone off the front end, you know, Ed, who comes in to this episode, starts it off pretty early in episode two. I actually wrote this down that he seems like a bootleg Johnny Bananas. I don't know why, but those are just the vibes I was getting. I don't know.
0: I noted that he looks like Matthew McConaughey and positive toxic positivity had a child. Wow. <laughs> wow.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I think fair enough. I think we don't like Ed, but we'll talk about that more.
1: <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, for sure. Uh <laughs> I'm still. If we're debate, debating how we feel about Ed, how do we feel about Gabo? Because he's still kicking this narrative of when I was a kid in New Jersey. I was a kid. I saw Jersey Shore, and then it became my dream to be on American television. And I wrote, you know what? Dreams do come true, Gabbo. Dreams do come true. I, like, is that a real thing? Is that actually possible? Yeah, I mean, I can't tell. I am. Hey, I'm not trying to be here to tell anyone else what their dream should be. I'm here on a Wednesday night at almost midnight taping a podcast about a random TV show, so I'm not going to be here telling anyone else what their dreams should or shouldn't be. But I just find it hilarious that my guy is like, I grew up watching Jersey Shore, and my dream was to be on American television. Land of I Opportunity. Think that's
0: a real dream. Okay. I really, I believe Gabo. As I keep saying, I think I said this to you before we started recording. It just his name always reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons. Oh yeah. Gabo oh, is coming. Oh yes. And um, again, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but again, with this season have, having too many cast members, this is the last we see of Gabo aside from the daily competition. Like we get some reacts from him and mm-hmm. like reaction shots, not even like confessionals or whatever. Like he's just, that's it. That's, that's Gabo's scene. And also how awkward is it that he just like walks into the room and he basically says to Ed, so what's your deal?
1: <laughs> like- well, that, do you know, it's funny and I, I hate doing this, but that to me showed that a producer got him to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like they get, they get back into the house and then it's, everyone's kind of hanging out and it's like, Hey, we need someone to, to give us a bit of background on Ed. Go in and ask Gabo. him what's his, what's his deal. Hey, Gabbo, you're getting no type of airtime. <laughs> Why don't you go check it out?
0: So, I also, with, with Ed and Nelson, like, they don't have two brain cells to read between them. Like, when, how did, how did your guy Ed describe himself? A genius in disguise. I'll believe it when I see it.
1: Hey. I mean, he was off to a good start. He's off to a good start. Um, Off to a good start, though, I don't know about the dance party. There's a long line of us talking about the dance parties, and this is what I mean as well. We got to see some people's moves. We got to see some people hanging out, you know. And it was cool, but I need more. I need more. As someone who, on this pod, consistently will always talk about how much I love the club scenes, how much it means to me on the challenge episodes. I felt like it was long. I felt like there was a lot going, going on, but it wasn't. I don't know. I felt like the one part was edited. The one part where Tori does the flip, like they strategically cut around that. (laughs) And that further goes to my point of old school MTV they would have shown exactly what she was doing because I think we know exactly what she was doing. Right.
0: Yep. I also, I have a question for specifically our American listeners, which would have affected this scene.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say.
0: What music is playing? Yeah. Because up here, in the true North strong and free. It's just like generic. Like, Oh Yeah. Like generic, generic like muzak, yeah. Like it's it's not by anyone. It has no lyrics, mm-hmm. and we've learned the hard way that seemingly in the United States they're getting actual music. So please, American listeners, tell us: was there actual? Because like, if there's like, no, of course there was. Like if without a playing, doubt, there was. They're playing like wah. It makes it a
1: different. It's a different. It's a different scene. You're right. And that, you know what? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's, what's been going on the past few seasons with the club scenes. Even when we go back to the liquor dome and whatever else has been going on, I haven't been feeling the club scenes because the music has been so trash. And so I'm seeing them like dance, but I'm not believing it. I'm not buying into it enough. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. My follow-up
0: question is for you, my dear co-host last season. Well, mm-hmm. two seasons ago. We referred to it as the Liquor Dome. Yeah. What are we going to call their party space this season?
1: I don't know. I need more time. I need more time.
0: I have I, I have a suggestion. Okay. I'm just spitballing here. It's more of a tropical destination this season. How about Sea Lounge? Wasn't that an actual
1: spot here? Yes, it was. It was, (laughs)
0: right? After the dearly departed uh, Cabana Pool Bar that was on Wellington, west of Spadina, in the early 2000s. I'm just spitballing. I'm not married to the idea. I'm just trying to come up with something.
1: The one thing we should mention, too, right? Like, There's two different club scenes, right?
0: Yeah. Like there's, one, there's they were just partying of- at
1: the house. Yeah. There's one they were partying at the house, and then there's the other one at an actual spot. So we got some time. And I like your music theory. Your music theory has made me rethink this whole thing. My whole thought process. Your music theory. So it's interesting. I need people to let us know what's going on. Um, also, I think someone needs to let Ashley know what's going on. Because, like, you know. We see a man's Nelly. We know Nelly's going to be Nelly. Him and Berna, they got something going on. But somehow we see Nelson get up. They give us a, a key that shows, or sorry, uh, uh, the words pop on the screen that say 30 minutes later. And I, I kind of skipped over it because there's a couple other things that we're missing, right? Like it seems like Michelle likes a vampire dude. Also, we talked about Tori and, and Kells. We see them cuddling and seeing all that. But the big relationship drama surrounds Nelson. So Nelson is hanging out with Berna. And then we see it says 30 minutes later, he slides into Ashley's bed. Immediately, immediately, okay? From last episode when this came up, we knew this wasn't going to go well. But at this moment, what do you make of Nelson's work here where he's, you know, he's doubling up in the same night? What are your thoughts?
0: It's the sloppiest thing I've ever seen. It is beyond stupid. (laughs) Um, There's no way that this will work out well for him at all. No. And he keeps saying, in confessionals Ashley knows what it is we're free agents buddy that might be the case I don't think it is and later in this episode it becomes clear that it is not the case from Ashley's perspective yeah but even still even if they truly were just sex no feelings no one wants to feel like a second choice
1: yeah and listen anytime that comes up oh we know what we're doing we're just friends like come on let's be serious
0: that That, only lasts for so long that's a very hard needle to thread Mm -hmm. and i mean nelson does not have the (laughs) parts to 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 thread that needle And also when you add in the personalities involved and like you and i like smashly she's been on yeah we're like i'm a fan of hers totally but she is not the calmest coolest most collected person at the best of times yeah i do want to read a uh, listener comment carrie b reacting to me saying i think i like nelson goes. I just want us all to keep in mind, we always say, I think I'm starting to like Nelson in the beginning. It's true. <laughs> now last season he and Fessy swapped like ability roles. So we shall see. We period shall period see period. Well Carrie, you said that on August thirteenth. It's now August 18th. And I have to tell you, you were correct.
1: <laughs> Didn't take long, did it? You know what it is when uh Back in in my younger days when we would go out from time to time, you go to the club, you know, we would always have these conversations. You know, you have the your your guy talking. I'm pretty sure the same thing probably goes for women as well, right? But we would call it ping ponging. You're going back and forth. You gotta focus.
0: Yeah, you gotta focus. Length,
1: okay. Can't be ping ponging. Ping ponging at the end of the night, you end up by yourself. And getting a feeling, Nelson, this ping-ponging that you're doing right now, it's not going to work out. But, hey, that was just early on in the episode. As we know, there's more. And most importantly, people, remember to let us know what the music was during the party.
0: Please. So um, help me God, Sheldon. If they were listening to 112 and we missed it, I'm going to flip the fuck out. <laughs> you know how we feel about
1: 112. Well played, well played.
0: I have um, sorry. There's one thing I need to talk about. You sort of glossed over that, and I just I can't I can't cope with it. Michelle says she's confused by her attraction to a Manuel, and I have to admit, Sheldon, I'm also confused by her attraction to a Manuel. <laughs> Someone pointed out Chauncey uh, says that his wife pointed out that a Manuel looks like the bad guy in meet the Robinsons and now he can't unsee it. And I have to say, I agree. Yeah. He also looks like an extra from Peaky Blinders.
1: <laughs> yeah. He looks like an interesting character and I don't know. I don't know what to make of Michelle yet. I'm Obviously I don't watch Survivor, so I don't know her from that show. I did happen to catch an Instagram live randomly Last week, that was Michelle. I guess she does like normal Instagram lives weekly, yeah. like a show. And uh, she had on Amanda and Ashley, and it seemed fun. Like they seemed like a pretty funny crew. Like so, you know, she seems like good people.s If we're gauging this off what we do on this show, and two people that we obviously like are Amanda and Ashley, and if they're co signing her, okay, cool. Seems like cool people so far, minus the whole vampire thing. We just got to see where this goes. We just got to see where this goes.
0: I'll also say something that Michelle did that I liked and thought was good gameplay was the morning, I assume after the elimination, she speaks to Tracy because after all, she'd stolen Devin from Tracy and she apologizes for taking him. And yeah. Tracy says in confessional, she hopes to get Devin back at some point. Well, I thought this was a good move by Michelle mm-hmm. to, no. to try to clear the air. And like, as you and I always say, you don't want to do anything that attracts unwanted attention. And like the, like, just smooth over anything you can, show some humility, you know, keep it moving. It's smart.
1: Totally makes sense. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with your man's Kells lifting mad weight and Tori saying that she's doing booty weight, but uh, let's get to some strategy during this episode, right? So there's vets in the room. You got Nani, Ashley, Josh, Amanda, Fessy, and Casey, and we're seeing the actual follow through of what was talked about in the previous episode where they got to just get focused on the vets working together. Yep, And immediately the plan comes that they should take out Kells. And I thought that was very interesting because I was so focused on, it's cool that you want to take them out, but who is actually going to take them out, (laughs) right? That's the part that I kept thinking of. But what did you make of the plan? And do you have faith in this vet plan that they will be able to stick together?
0: No, I don't think so. But I think they'll be able to hold it together for a few weeks. Okay. Because I think the personalities involved
1: mm-hmm.
0: are pretty good when you look at that veteran alliance. Put another way, aside from Nelson and Fessy's issues, the veterans get along, yeah. right? Like Devin and Josh heard the Hatchet. Aside from that, everyone generally likes each other, right? Like, Tori Mm -hmm. and Devin will, like, playfully bicker, but they like each other, right? Otherwise, like, who who else has major beef? I mean, there's beef brewing between Nelson and Ashley, but, like, at this point, it hasn't blown up yet. Aside from that, there's no West-Johnny-Bananas dynamic. There's no Jordan and West. There's no Jordan and lots of people. There's no Zach, you know? there's no especially
1: especially with Devin and and, uh, Josh agreeing that they're going to work together for sure. Definitely agree. And again, I keep saying the the Fessy rebrand here, right? We get another scene of Fessy, you know, just talking about how difficult it's been for him dealing with doing the challenge while also uh, doing Ramadan and not eating or basically he's fasting, right? Not basically he's fasting. Um, Sorry, you're going to say something.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I don't like Fessy. I think the record shows, and I am not buying into the Fessy Redemption Tour. But I will say, I have a lot of respect for him doing that. It would not be easy to fast. And, you know, he in his first season on the challenge, he made the point that it's kind of, it's not kind of. It is a big deal that he's Mm -hmm. a Muslim and has such a prominent, place like on tv i don't think there have been any other muslims on the challenge i can't think of any maybe i'm missing someone but it's impressive
1: yeah it's very interesting for sure it's definitely very interesting um (laughs) i'm laughing because every time we go to i'm laughing and i didn't mean for that to be the awkward transition as we're just talking about something super serious but TJ and the cars and the helicopter and all that. Like, what is the budget? Like, I would love to see the breakdown of what the budget is per episode, per challenge, per shoot day, whatever it is. I want to see what the budget is because I keep laughing at the fact that TJ shows up and it's another episode of the Fast and the Furious. My guy is here and the helicopter's coming in now. In this instance, a helicopter is actually part of the challenge. Right? But the the crazy car, like there's no need for him to come in, in that car, but it just looks cool. And I thought the there was I'll a lot say, of
0: US dollars go a lot further in Croatia than they do here That's or fair. in North America. Totally. <laughs> I fair. would say I think it'd be easier to get a hold of all the stuff over there. Yeah. Like have you ever seen Euro Trip? Like there's a joke yeah. where like the guy flips uh his bellhop a quarter and the bell like and quits to start his own hotel
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah
0: i don't think that's quite the case
1: no 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 but i got you i got you So what did you think of this uh, daily challenge? Basically, you and your partner, one person has to be in the helicopter. The other person is is standing out of the sunroof of an SUV. And the person in the helicopter has to drop jewels in a bag down to the person that's out of the sunroof. And while you're doing that, the SUV is like driving around certain obstacles at certain points. You got to collect as many gems as you can. And then run across the finish line. Person where the team with the most gems and does it the fastest wins. What did you make of this challenge? Because I thought it looked really cool. But I still think it was probably harder than it came across.
0: I'm going to answer your question. But first, I have to tell you that you can rent a Lamborghini in Croatia for €1,100 Euro per day. Just just for a ballpark. So okay. actually not that bad. Not bad. Um, I was really surprised by how much I liked this competition. Cause at first I was like, this doesn't seem that complicated. It seems pretty straightforward, but it was more complicated. Like it was harder, right? Like mm-hmm. to gauge the speed, you, you have to include the wind, uh, the cars, it's not just that they're moving on a straight line. They're sort of dodging obstacles. Yep. Um, so, yeah. It, and it was very cinematic. And what I've liked about um, the competition so far is that it's not, and, like, we'll see it in the elimination as well, it's not straight up, like, physical strength. Um, I was interested that both Emmy and Big T struggle with uh, heights talk about, I mean, big T sort of addressed the height issues in the past, but Emmy, you're on the wrong show. If you don't like heights, like it is only going to get
1: worse. (laughs) And speaking of only going to get worse, I feel like it's only going to get worse with Emmy. She seems to be just a lot. Like that's just a lot. And we'll get, we'll get there for sure. But I mean, I can't say a lot and just gloss over I'm going to be honest with you. The thing that stuck out to me the most in this whole entire daily challenge, because this isn't really the challenge where we would normally go through and like break down how everyone did. Cause you can't, cause it's kind of just the same. Yeah. If that makes sense. Right. And everyone was um, pretty
0: close in terms yeah. of the numbers. Obviously there's a couple teams that stood out, but
1: yeah, but like nothing stood out in terms of like entertaining that we need to talk about. Other than your girl, Corey's partner with the laugh, Bettina. Mm-hmm. It's really. I told you guys about it last week, right? I did bring this up last week because it wasn't in the actual episode; that was in the preview episode, right? I'm pretty sure it was in the preview episode, but we got it on full gauge and it was just the greatest like it's my line of the episode and I know it's not a line but it was Corey's face Corey's face because she starts laughing so that tells you it was kind of a bit right Corey was like oh yeah she's gonna laugh after and then she just kept going and going and going and the look on Corey's face it's like oh he's like oh wait like that's for real you're still oh, this going is real like, life <laughs> What? Like, that's not like what, what is happening here? That was the best that I thought was amazing. That made me laugh. That was the thing to me that stood out about the whole entire challenge.
0: Hmm. I I mean, she sounds like a dolphin.
1: I don't even know what that sounds like. I've never heard anything like that before in my life.
0: I I mean, you can't help how you laugh, but man.
1: I'd like to think there's something she could do about that. there's gotta be like that's too much that is too much if you ask me um
0: the story there's a couple other things that stood out to me that i want to address yep first of all jeremiah is super fast like and he says that he's a track star i know the vets are are focused right now on kels but if i saw jeremiah run like that i would be moving him up my list of people to take out
1: I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't try to put him against Kells. Like, yeah. I just assumed that if that was going to be the, like, if you're going to try to do that, you're going to try to get rid of one of them at least. Right. But I yeah. don't know. I found that kind of weird. Obviously the other thing that stood out as well was Josh's partner left. We don't really get an explanation as to what happened. And in fact, when they said Lauren, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what Lauren looks like. I don't remember no. who that person is.
0: I had the same, the same note um i was also intrigued that they all said that they were really impressed with emmanuel that he might be the second strongest of the rookies and like in fairness i understand their concern mm-hmm. after all the lair, like the eliminations always happen at night when presumably he'd be at his. <laughs> yep. and unless you see like garlic and like a cross, maybe some silver bullets as part of the elimination. Like you're really taking a gamble against that guy, right?
1: Yeah, that guy trips me out. I don't know if I would want to be in the same room as him. Like that guy trips me out for real. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I was mentioning that because Amber B is back, man. Yeah. You can't just gloss over that. And, and- looking fantastic.
0: Like, I can't tell you what's different between last, like, and she looked great last season, but this
1: season, holy. If hold on, if you go back to last season, I was like mesmerized by Amber B because of big brother, right? Like her appearance on big brother was still incredible. And she came on this season like that. However much money she won has her feeling good. The smile is ear to ear. She looks incredible like absolutely incredible. Good to have her back on the challenge and on my TV screen. I have
0: a question though. Well, you might not know about this because I know that you don't dive into the uh the gossip like I do. But I'm pretty sure she and Nelson had a thing.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I, I don't no know idea. that I can
0: I don't know that I can find it, but there was a video of the two of them hanging out together having wine and I'm not sure I've ever seen sexual tension so thick.
1: Hmm. I mean, I feel like if that's the case, it's probably going to come out at some point this season. So there's no way that wouldn't come out during this season, especially with what Nelson's got going on right now. So if that's a thing, that's a thing, right? I could definitely see it.
0: There's certainly like articles out there about like, maybe they are dating.
1: Yeah. So. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, we'll also, we found out that the winners of said challenge, Fessy and Esther, just beating out Casey and your man's Emmanuel. And Esther is hype. Air confessional, she's hype saying she's the first Nigerian to ever win a daily challenge. Fessy is emotional as well because he's clearly nervous about how if him fasting is going to affect his performance in the daily challenges. And so he was super emotional when he won. But what do you think of the duo of Fessy and Esther?
0: I was really impressed with Esther because we glossed over this. When Fessy was talking about uh, observing Ramadan, she was saying how nervous she was for the daily competition, Mm -hmm. but she really made it happen. Like she was rifling those gems down to Fessy After all, he was like an NFL caliber tight end prospect.
1: According to him, yes. According to him. Uh, um,
0: (laughs) But I was really impressed with their teamwork. Again, I'm impressed that Fessy was doing so well, given that he is fasting. Esther is really growing on me. And one thing before we move on from this competition that I want to touch on, I don't know if anyone else noticed this. But one of the uh, windshields of one of the SUVs was shattered. Did you notice that? No it did like I don't know if it was shattered beforehand or what, but like it's clearly like you can see that there's like a spider web of cracks, and I don't know if it's getting from getting hit by one of the gems, but like I think they had some weight to them like I don't think it was an easy catch. I can't imagine that they like wherever they rented those cars from or where the drivers came from. I can't imagine that for insurance reasons, they would just show up with like a severely cracked windshield. So it must've happened during, during shooting.
1: Yeah. No, that would make sense. That definitely would make sense. What did you
0: think of Fessy and Esther?
1: I really like Esther. I just like Esther's energy. I think she's a good partner. She's always going to give it her all. She's not afraid. She seems to want the smoke of the challenge, which is incredible. And she, she knows, um, she knows how much this matters, right? Like, I like that she appreciates a deeper level of being the first Nigerian person on, or being the first wave of Nigerian people, because obviously she's not the only one on this season, but, um, I love that. I think that's amazing. And Fessy, Fessy had to learn from last season, right? You could kind of tell so far how he's dealing with Esther. It's a lot different than how he dealt with his partners last season. And it's early. There hasn't been adversity yet for him, but he seems calmed in the Fessy rebrand. Uh, that's my thoughts. Um,
0: yeah, we'll have to see, but like, it's a good start for him.
1: Hmm. Uh, not a good start for Corey as Corey or sorry, Corey and Fessy's relationship. There's not a good start real there because Corey admits that he can't trust Fessy. Then on the, on the same side, you have Josh and Amber talking and Josh is going to try to mend the fence between Fessy and Amber and Casey and Amber from last season. And if people remember, or if you're just brand new, to this season of the challenge what happened on last season was amber was a part of the big brother alliance but she was at the bottom of the totem pole she just didn't know it and so while the other side of the house was trying to tell her that she wasn't listening and she trusted the big brother alliance and they tried to dispose of her and in fact her beef with fessy was fessy tried or not tried he put himself in to switch partners right before the elimination so that he could get, Oh no, he didn't put himself in. He put Casey in, right? So that Casey could pick him and steal him away from Amber. And then we all know what happened. Amber ends up winning. So there's beef there. Like Amber, even though it worked out for her and she won, you could tell she still doesn't mess with Fessy. And that to me is a ticking time bomb. That's going to blow up at some point.
0: Yeah. And might affect the veteran Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh says to Amber and because now they're partners, says to Amber that he has no issues with her. And I, honestly, like, I think he's actually pretty sincere when he says that, but I also think he's kidding himself when he, he says in confessional that he thinks he can bring everyone in the big brother alliance back together. Because here's the thing Amber's anger towards Fessy and Casey is really based off of conversations that were on. The last season of the show, mm-hmm. and like good for Amber for actually watching back the tape and was like no, this is like a candid conversation you two had. Yeah. like yeah. this is like that was real like don't to like amber, don't let them gaslight you.
1: I I mean, you and I clear. were at,
0: no, you and I were outspoken last season about the fact that Amber was making a mistake. It ended up working out for her, but I'm glad she sees them for who they are. Like, I'm glad she's not saying to herself, well, it doesn't matter because I won. Yeah. Right? Like, she won because she ended up with CT and because of her own skill and strength as a runner and just doing well uh, in the actual final. So, like, she won despite them, not because of them. And I'm glad she has that straight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on and let's get to, I guess, one of the main events of this episode and that's your man's what's going on with Nellie and Ashley. And we got a glimpse of what was going to happen earlier because when Nelson finished his daily challenge, he came over and Berna was there to kind of hug him. And then Ashley came over to kind of, you know, get some Nellie of her own as well. And then you fast forward to later on, we get the second club scene and they're having a conversation, a full-on conversation. And Ashley admits to him, I think I'm catching feelings for you. And Nelson is thrown off guard. I'm thrown off guard. But do you think that she actually was catching feelings for him or she could sense Berna coming? And so then when she try- that's when she tries to you know up her game.
0: I think a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and Ashley herself suggests maybe she's got the challenge house goggles. Maybe she's feeling some kind of way because she's in the challenge house. You know, little lonely, little horny, a little stressed out. You know,
1: definitely, definitely. I think Ashley, you know, there is a, a little form of human nature here where you're sensing the competition. And so you step your game up and Nelson tells her like, come on, that's not us. That's not what we're doing. Blah, blah, blah. Tries to talk her out of it, but then immediately goes right over to Berna. And then, you know how this is going to end. It doesn't really look good. And we'll get, we'll get to the Kel stuff in the club with Fessy when we get to the deliberation, but let's just yeah. round out what ends up happening with Ashley and Nelson. Cause they get back to the house and, Nelson's being Nelson, right? He's trying to slide over to Berna, even though he I'm pretty sure he calls her Bertha. Yeah. A couple of times. They,
0: they all call them Bertha. Like Amber and Ashley both call her Bertha.
1: Yeah. Which, yeah. Exactly. But Ashley's not having this. Ashley starts to melt down, and she you can see the the drunken goggles are on. You could tell the Remy's in the system. And she was dissing them right? Like that's what she was doing. Um, It just, it was expected, but I almost felt bad for Ashley because there's one point where Nelson actually, Nelson actually says to her, I'm trying to save you right now. And he says it and he, then he kind of pauses and holds back. But the way that I took that was he saying, I'm trying to save you from looking dumb right now. Yeah. Because in his mind, like it's not that serious. He knows she doesn't really, really care, but he also knows that she's drunk in the moment and she's just, you know, gonna make herself look bad.
0: I feel bad for Ashley and like it's Nelson obviously is on the wrong here. And I'll tell you what the number one piece of evidence is that Nelson's in the wrong. He said it last episode. Ashley moved to Austin. Just down the street from him. He lives in Austin. Mm -hmm. They are having relations. They then go on the same season and continue to have relations at his, like he, at least the one time we saw, he initiated it. I, I know he wants to say he's single. I know he wants to say they're just friends, buddy. She moved to Austin, Texas. <laughs> Your presence there certainly played a role on that decision. Yeah, Corey says it in confessional, and it's like, Nelson, like you got to talk to both of these women. You don't want to lead Ashley on. You don't want to lead Berna on, Nelson. And like, hey, honestly, the situation's relatable. I think anyone that's listening to this podcast. Or- over the age of 30, maybe over the age of 20, has been the Ashley in the situation, has been the Nelson in the situation, and has been the Berna in the situation. And, like, it's relatable, I, but Nelson is making the mistake here. Ultimately, it's on him. He should be staying away from Berna, or he should be straight up with Ashley, and certainly not initiating coitus with her 30 minutes <laughs> after getting cozy with Berna.
1: Yeah. Which was kind of funny when Amanda's confronting her about it the next morning and she just kind of cause Nani was in the bunk beside them. And Amanda's kind of like, wait, were both of you getting it on last night in the bottom bunk? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> Super funny. But you're right. Nelson I say Nelson's at fault here because he has to know that ultimately this is going to fall on him, right? Ultimately, it's going to fall on him and you're just messing up his your own game, which also makes no sense. But speaking of the game, there's something else big going on and that's from the club, but then back into the house, this is operation. How do we get Kells out of the house? Which obviously, you know, Fessy went up to him in the club. And this kind of points to what we we're talking about at the very front end about Kell's being pretty smart because this conversation with Fessy in the club, I thought was super interesting. Mm-hmm. Fessy comes to him and he's trying to make a deal. Right. And, but he says it in a kind of slick way. Like, you know, two of us, we're kind of like the biggest guys in the house and people are expecting us to go at each other. But I think if it'd be smart, if we just come together and say, hey, I'm not going to come at you if you don't come at me. And he didn't say it like that. But much like I just said, Kells puts that together. He's like, oh, I get what you're trying to say, but I don't really buy that because you're only coming to me now because you're in a position of power. And so how real do I take that? And I thought that was super interesting because he's correct, but it's also bold to call it in the moment. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? Well- I mean,
0: I was impressed with Kells this episode. Mm -hmm. I thought his read of the whole situation from start to finish was correct. Like, he got sort of swept away by events. But I don't think he could have done anything differently. Um, And in that scene in the club, in Sea Lounge, you could see that, first of all, he was I believe the more sober of the two.
1: (laughs) Okay. And
0: he also was, as soon as like Fessy started to say like, you know, we're similar. We shouldn't go after each other. Like Kells had a look on his face that was like, no, <laughs> like, fuck. No. Yeah. Um, what I think is interesting. And I had this in my notes. I swear I'll, I'll screen cap it for you. Sheldon was that this is a good plan. The problem is Josh is too involved in the plan. And for Josh, sure, is not the master manipulator he thinks he is. Right? Yeah. And yeah. But neither is Fessy. Neither is Fessy. And again, like, I'm, I stand by what I said being impressed with Fessy doing these competitions while fasting. That'd be incredibly difficult. And you know, there's going to be, they always have a, a mini final, right? Yeah. The mini final is going to be hell on but also fasting all day and then having alcohol at night, not a great combination. Like I Fessy doesn't strike me as a, a guy who can hold his liquor particularly well given what we've seen on this show. Mm-hmm. But to go all day without food or water and then and like sweating and everything and then drinking like not to tell him how to run his life but maybe abstain from drinking too while you're fasting when you're in this environment right where you are like trying to make game decisions and like keep a good head on your shoulders because i think Bessie kind of blew it with uh kells in the club and then when your tag team partner and all this is josh not a great combo
1: Yeah. And also just the fact that you obviously had the conversation with Kels and then you go right to Josh afterwards to like huddle up. Probably not a good look, probably a dead giveaway of what you're doing. But again, also Kels wasn't buying it anyways. And as you head into the deliberation now, Josh comes up with again, outlining the plan. So you got to remember two things are going on, right? Fessy went to Kels and Fessy's plan probably wasn't that bad. Kell's just read through it. Josh's plan in the deliberation was very interesting because Josh comes out and he's saying, you know, I've been hearing from a lot of people. And anytime you're hearing from a lot of people, chances are there's not a lot of people, right? But Josh claims he's hearing from a lot of people that Kells has been trying to make deals with everybody. And... <laughs> How did, you, how did you take this, this whole scene? Because I thought Kells, if he handled, handled himself well with Fessy in this moment against Josh, I thought it was perfect what he said to Josh. He
0: handled himself so well.
1: He almost,
0: I don't, I can't say that he almost flipped the house, but it seemed like he put in some significant work persuading people. I also want to give a shout out to no, do you know? What,
1: you know what he did though? Do you know what he really did? He put the other rookies on on notice. Yeah. Let them know, hey, this is what's really going on. This is the game that's being played. Look at what they're doing to me. If we don't get our ish together, that could be you. And And, just the way that Josh, you know, he called out Josh saying, hold on, you're not really the mastermind. Like that's not your game. So even if I was planning something, you wouldn't be the one to uncover it. And I thought that was just amazing logic, truthful logic, so much so to the fact that Josh's homegirl Tori is trying her hardest to not laugh. (laughs) She sits right in front of Josh as he's getting called out. And then to, on top of that, Kel says, well, you know, there is no plan that I haven't been going to people, so why don't you just admit that you don't want to go against me, man? You're afraid of me. And fine, that's it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Just I, have a lot
0: of, I have a lot of questions coming from this whole scene. My f- first question is after Josh gets ethered by Kells and like it's not a season until Josh gets absolutely murked by someone in uh, deliberations. Mm-hmm. Devin, who's part of the veteran plant, who's like working with Josh and by extension Fessy on this plan, he sort of steps in to say, well, then who should we nominate? Kells. And Kells doesn't have a response. Yeah. Why wasn't the plan all along to have Devin Introduce the idea of nominating Kelts Because Devin is better than either Josh or Fessy at these kinds of manipulations. And also, Devin's one step further removed from Fessy. Like Josh and Fessy working together, everyone will be like, of course. Devin and Fessy working together, people
1: will be like, oh, I guess. You know what I mean? I do think Devin coming in to help Josh helped their plan along. Oh, for sure it did. Right? And so... I think it's probably better to have Josh go do that just because it's, it's more messy. And if you're Devin, ultimately you want to be the guy behind the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Devin's messy, but you don't want to be the messiest guy. So let Josh do that. And Devin just come in with kind of like more calm down logic in terms of, well, who do you want to go in? Who should go in? Let's hear from you. And it's a perfect play from Devin. Because it comes off as if he's being considerate mm-hmm. to like, hey, like giving him an opportunity, giving Kell's an opportunity. But really all he's doing is making Kell's throw himself under the bus by saying someone else's name.
0: Yeah. He's actually quite I, genius. I'm going to tell you what they should have done. I'm going to tell you what I would have done. Okay. So you have this alliance. And like they, we sort of skip this scene. But Devin and Anissa went to Tori and basically were like, hey, FYI, your uh, friend there, he's going to be on the chopping block. You don't have to vote with us, but we, as a courtesy, we want to give you a heads up. And Tori even says, like, this is a, a trust exercise. Like, I'm getting mm-hmm. tested by the other vets to yep, see yep. if I'll spill the beans to Kels. She does not spill the beans. But if I was in the vet's shoes, what I would do is I would not call out Kels at all. What I would do is I would try to start a fight, like a divisive fight, like we saw between Michelle, Michaela and Emmy last week, and then let all the rookies vote how they're going to vote, split the vote, knowing that all the veterans are just going to vote in Kels. Interesting. Right? So have the rookies sort of eliminate their own votes by like, I don't know, half voting for Tommy and half voting. And I guess it's Tommy and Big T and the other half voting for, I don't know, Emmy and Ed as mm-hmm. an example. Let them split the vote and then just count on all the bets voting for Kels. Like, I don't I'm think sure we'll see some this. of that down the line. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't think you have to even like do what Josh did or what Devin sort of backed them up on. I don't think you even have to introduce it. As long as you know, like, Hey, we've got like nine solid votes here. We just have to have
1: fewer votes yeah. out there. Right. No, totally. Totally makes sense. And Hey, at the end of the day, Kels ends up being the vote. So maybe they did something right. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of bargaining going on, who's going in, who's not going in, but it ends up being Emmy for the women and Ed for the men. Uh, the one thing I did see from the after show was that Ed, they did tell Ed ahead of time he was going in. Um, before they start though, TJ, cause he's one of the best hosts there is on television says so emmy how do you feel about this and emmy says well mr tj Hmm. and i'm not gonna lie to you after that i don't i have no idea what she said there's just a lot of crying there's a lot of like she was just sad and it's not even that i couldn't understand what she was saying it was that i tuned out because i was trying to figure out why she keep calling him mr tj that's what really threw me off because she's respectful sure but like (laughs) i don't know it was just a weird look like she is just all over the place she had the you know she started melting down during the elimination now the same thing's happening but or not the elimination the daily challenge now the same thing's happening in the elimination and it's like that's not the right headspace to be in before you start an elimination but hey i think she just had a really good partner to be honest
0: Well, I'm not a big Ed fan, and I will say Emmy impressed me because she pulled it together after that emotional outburst. Mm -hmm. So the competition was called uh, Flip the Agent. So one person is strapped to a sort of, I don't know, it looks like a torture device. Big T was into it. She liked the dungeon vibes. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, in both cases, the teams decide to have the woman strapped to this board. And so, it was the man's job to flip the agent in Ed and Emmy's case, so Emmy gets flipped. They have a, a magnet on the end of a rope that attaches to the puzzle pieces that they have to then draw up to them. And then their partner flips them back. They hand the puzzle piece over, repeat. And it's really like it was a more physical competition than i expected like it was i i didn't see, i when they were explaining it i didn't see how grueling it would be how demanding like emmy and tracy were both complaining about how hard it was on their stomachs like with the, sure. the strength and everything it there was more to this than i expected
1: totally and even at the beginning you could see how tough it must have been for tracy because Kells had no regard for her flipping back like he was dropping her like so hard whereas when you saw what ed was doing ed was like bracing the fall so when it flipped all the way back he was holding it and like bringing it down slowly whereas there are a couple of times where tracy was just smashing back into the ground and on top of that add in the fact that Kells was kind of yelling at her at the beginning and just not being a good partner and i honestly think that kind of was the difference early on i mean i think honestly so what ends up happening as you know ed and emmy are out to a huge lead and then tracy kind of gets into a groove using the magnet and they catch up and it's basically they're both on the same last magnet at the same time but emmy figures out how to roll the magnetic side over on her last block and that's how she was able to pick it up and win and at least you know get them to the puzzle part first And Ed just took care of it from there where it ends up being a world map. And it's pretty funny as he gets all the pieces and Devin yells across, Ed, it's a map of the world. And he's like, Mm. I know. (laughs) Thanks. They didn't
0: address this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ed was putting the puzzle together or organizing the puzzle pieces while Emmy was Facing down. I think that's the move. Like, make the most of your time. At least have all the puzzle pieces facing the right way. Totally. Because like time is of the essence. Um, I would I was impressed with Ed and Emmy. They're still not my favorite people on this show. I will say, longtime listener, Julia Lamana says, How much do we love Kel's clap back to Josh? We loved it. Of course. But then she goes, and how much do we love Ed?
1: Just speaking for myself, not so much. I feel like him and Emmy, it's just like they're... It's like, turn it down a couple notches. Like, I get it. You're hype. You're on TV. Cool. But, you know, either way, though.
0: They both have that big brother shouting and confessional vibe, which I do not like, you know? Yeah. But they split up. They win, but they split up. Ed Mm -hmm. decides to steal Tori. And Emmy decides to steal Devin much to Devin's delight because he likes being picked first overall. Yep. And then Allen and Michelle are now partners.
1: I found it interesting because when I think of the switching of the partners, it's obvious the rookies see we need to be partnered with the vet. Cause that gives us an extra layer of hopefully not being picked. Yep. Right. So because at first for a split second I was like, oh, they're not staying together. I was kind of surprised. But then once you play it out, it's like, oh, of course. Yeah. It makes total sense to end up being with the vet.
0: Yeah. And also, I think their choices were well done. First of all, Tori and Devon are pretty competitive. Like they're not they're not gonna hold you back. You also have to consider There's some partnerships involving veterans that aren't going to succeed in the Mm -hmm. long run. And I think it's obvious, like, I think Ashley and Huey, they're not going to succeed in the long run. So it's okay to keep them together. Similarly, CT and Berna, because of Berna's involvement with Nelson. Like, (laughs) you don't mind Burna but seriously, like, you don't mind Berna being with CT, because if that disrupts CT's game, all the better. Whereas both Tory and Devin, I think it should be obvious to everyone in the house. They're both pretty well positioned in terms of alliances. And when the veterans turn on each other, I don't think Tory and Devin will be the ones drying that heat. I think it'll be Ashley, Nelson, Fessy, and... Certainly, those three I think will be the first three in the veteran alliance to either turn on someone or be turned on. Probably Josh or Amber B. But yeah. I think I think those are the weak points in the veteran alliance, and I think Ed and Emmy have at least the sense to know that. The other safe place, safe person would be um, Anissa. Yeah. Right.
1: No, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. We got some new teams. Emmy and Ed are the winners. They're all hype. They're all energy. I'm going to say doing too much. But hey, as Ed said, it's the best feeling in the world. As he said, the best feeling in the world. Get it? Because it's a map of the world. Close quote. And that's why I thought he was bootleg Johnny Bananas.
0: You know, Sheldon, I heard that uh, Ed was a genius in disguise and yet he's making jokes like that. Yeah. <laughs> what, <laughs> what was your line of the episode, Sheldon?
1: Oh, there were lots, but I think I'm going to go with thank you, Mr. TJ.
0: <laughs> I'm going with Kels saying to Josh, Josh, no offense, but you're not known as the most strategic tactical person. Yeah. Because I love it when Josh gets ethered in uh, deliberation. And that was, I mean, it's just perfect. Yeah. Uh, Who killed it for you this week? That's a tough one for me.
1: It's a very tough one, but I got to say Ed because I think Ed got put into a very tough position, just coming into the house and automatically get tossed in. And I'm convinced that he won that elimination for them, right? Like he just was a good partner. He calmed her down. Because she was rattled going in. But he calmed her down. He, his positive energy seemed to wear off on her. He was just super hyped up. But did a good job in that, in that uh, elimination. And that was that.
0: I think, for me, I'm going a little bit off the board. I think it's all the veteran met Because Operation Get Kells Out of the House worked pretty much flawlessly. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't think I don't, I don't think they executed it perfectly, but they got the job done, which is what counts.
1: Result driven business. That's right. Where can people find you on social media? You can Find me on Twitter at shell Alexander, Instagram, Sheldon Alexander. And of course, like and subscribe to the pod. As mentioned before, hit that like button. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, follow the pod, search on blast podcast, get all our videos. What about you, my dude?
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jchidleyhill. If you do follow me on Twitter, uh, I hope you have an abiding interest in Canadian politics uh, because I'm covering the federal election to some degree. So uh, you'll see some stories about that. And hey, if you're not Canadian, you're not interested in Canadian politics, maybe this would be an opportunity to learn about our bicameral legislature you know
1: (laughs) what am i supposed to say to that (laughs) (laughs) amazing man
0: until next week this was you killed it
1: you killed it